Welcome to Songwriter Trysts, an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee. Music saved my life and I want to talk to other songwriters about the power of songwriting, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. To support the podcast and follow our journey, you can find us on songwritertrysts.com. Welcome to a songwriter tryst with Sam Sharp. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I love technology and I love that we get to have this chat. Even though you're in Melbourne, Victoria, in lockdown uh, number, what is it exactly? Uh, we're on six at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I lost count after three. <laughs> yeah, no, we keep a running tally. Yeah, well, I mean, what else you got to do, right? Exactly. Welcome to the show. I like to start by getting you to share with us a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Great. So, as you mentioned, I'm in uh, Melbourne, Victoria. I'm a singer songwriter. I'm from the southeastern suburbs, so nice and quiet. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to do this. I, I love songwriting. Awesome. So, when did songwriting start for you? Where's the journey begin? It actually started when I was in primary school. I think I was about 11 and I it just, I don't know what happened. I just had this song come into my head and I remember mm. racing to my older sister, <laughs> her being, you know, moody teenager. She must have realised that I was actually quite serious when I said I needed her to type something out because she did it. Oh, that's so sweet. So you, you weren't quite at the typing she, she was the only one with a computer thing. She was in high school, so. Of course, mm. yep. Whereas now everyone has iPads. <laughs> exactly. As I'm yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. So what happened in 11? Like what, what happened in this experience when the song came to you? Where were you? What, like, what do you think triggered it? I was actually in the shower. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that happens to so many people. Yeah, I was in the shower and I remember getting out of the shower and just being like, I don't know what I've just done, but I've done something and something is in my head and it's going in a loop and I need to get it out. So got my sister to type it up, sang it a million times so I could remember it. I think I got yeah. out the old like cassette recorder yeah. to, to capture it forever. But the main thing was that I actually took it to my music teacher at school and she put an arrangement behind it and made me sing it for wow. everyone. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's a really encouraging teacher. So what was the song called? Can you sing us a little bit? Like, Oh, uh, look, <laughs> it's it's so childish. It was so, like, I was clearly 11. Um, yeah. And I think some of the topics and themes, like the things that I just didn't even, I didn't even know what I was writing about. It was called um, Play It Cool. Yeah. And it was like there were, there was elements about, you know, dating, about, going out and dancing, things that just, I guess, in my adolescent mind were, you know, things that adults did. So yep. I remember, okay. yeah, teachers being like, Why did, where did this come from? Why did yeah. you write this? So it was like your preteen um, view of the world at that stage before you'd really, I guess, probably would have experienced most of that. But yeah, you, you are aware of what's happening 
around you when you're a kid. You know, everyone wants, like my daughter's six and she wants an iPhone, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, why does she need an iPhone? No one else who's six has got an iPhone, right? But yeah, you see the parents with it and you want one. Yeah, well, we all want to grow up, you know, when we're young. So mm. I think that, yeah, that started something. I took it to the music teacher thinking like, well, you know, I wrote a song. Can you imagine? Yeah. I wrote something. And she actually, she really ran with it. She she got on the piano and figured out the chords for it. And, and I ended up playing it, like, oh, singing it at a shopping center. Oh, re- what? How- <laughs> so, so you went from your shower, your sister wrote it down, your music teacher composed it for you. Mm-hmm. How did you go from there to singing in a shopping center? I was the... Uh, the only child in that school, I believe, to have brought her something like that. So she really, uh, she really, you know, latched onto that idea and mm-hmm. got me to sing at an assembly. She assembled a bunch of kids who were in other classes to play instruments. Yeah. So that I had a backing band of other students <laughs> wow. who were all playing like xylophones and clave. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, one one day we were we were set to do. Like uh, take the the school choir to the local shops and sing mm-hmm. for the community, and I ended up with a, a spot there, and they put it over the loudspeakers, and it's very strange <laughs> for me because I still shop at that shopping centre. <laughs> <laughs> Has it changed your shopping experience forever? Now you you go there and you're like, oh, remember that time I sang here? Yeah, I mean that that whole shopping centre's changed anyway, but there's this one part of it that every time I walk through, I'm like, oh, that happened. Which shopping centre is it? It's called the Waverly Gardens Shopping Centre in okay. Mulgrave. Yes. Yep. yes. Cool. We call it Wavos. <laughs> <laughs> I come from East Gippsland, but my I have a lot of family in the Ringwood area, so I was like, I wonder if it's Ringwood because that's changed a lot as well. That's yeah, okay. wow. <laughs> okay, so this is your high school experience and that's an amazing encouragement. Primary I'm school, really. really? Hi, primary school? Yeah. Okay, so, so how... <laughs> You, you, did you like start playing an instrument or did you, what, what was your next steps from singing in a shopping centre at 11 or 12 years old? I did not know how to play any instruments and I remember vaguely trying to learn like keys um, while in school and not really putting that much effort into it. My upbringing, we were sort of given the freedom to choose, you know, if we wanted to do a sport, if we wanted to do a, a an instrument, anything like that. And my sister and I ultimately did nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't choose? or we just... couldn't, Well, we couldn't choose and, you know, nothing, you know, we'd rather be at home hanging out together, I guess. My sister and I are very close. so That's nice. Yeah. So I didn't learn any instruments and it honestly, it took until, ooh, I was probably 25 when I actually started learning instruments. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's cool doesn't matter when you start. You can pick it up any time. Yeah. I mean, I always hear that it's easier when you're young, but mm. oh, I think if you're determined enough, it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. So um, you, what, what was your next journey? Like how did you go from writing a song when you were 11 to saying, well, I actually want to try and make a career of this. I want to record and release my music. Yeah. So um, I... I didn't really know that that was what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I, um, I've always had a, a great passion for music um, growing up with a lot of music around um, and listening to the lyrics. I remember really strongly the idea of, you know, getting the little lyric booklet in a CD 
and yeah. um and reading like line for line trying to figure out where, which bit goes where and and yeah. if it didn't have a lyric booklet I was you know writing them myself writing them down <laughs> pausing it and writing it and pausing it and writing it um yeah, okay. because I wanted to be able to sing along and I think I actually taught myself to sing from copying CDs like that from mm. trying to imitate the artists that I was listening to um but who were you listening to uh, so a lot of different stuff. So there's a bit mm-hmm. of an age gap between my parents. So, um, mum was really into country and she liked Shania Twain, but my dad, he's a bit older. So we did the Beach Boys, the Platters, Del Shannon, yeah. um, much, much older sort of, you know, focus on harmonies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. bit of a, bit of a mix and then having an older sister, you know, she wanted me to get into metal. <laughs> so I I had this thing where you know I I wrote this song and then I felt even as as a 12 year old pressure to write more because you know how do you follow that up you've just sung at a shopping center yeah and from that point though I I just didn't feel like anything I was writing was as good as that first one because it came to me I wasn't something that I tried to do Mm, and yeah I don't know so I I actually gave it up for a very long time. Once I reached high school and no one knew that I'd done that, it was like I could make that part of myself a bit of a secret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So you didn't do it during high school. What's your relationship with music now? How did it come back into your life? So during high school I tried to do a few like talent shows, things like mm-hmm. that that the school put on and none of them really went my way. One of them, I actually sustained an injury from someone standing on my foot during, during hosting. So it sort of was like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. This is. High school is meant for humbling experiences. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I recently did another podcast called uh, the worst gig of my life. And I told them about a story more recently but mm. I had someone who knew me in high school say, I can't believe you didn't tell the story about the talent show when they closed <laughs> the curtains on you. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, they closed the curtains on you. Oh, yeah. They. This is the thing. You say humbling experiences. Mm. I was, gosh, it must have been, you know, the first time I'd actually tried to sing in front of people after that that shopping centre experience. And I yeah. got up and I planned to sing uh, a Delta Goodrum song. Yep. And I gave them a CD that had the original track and the backing track on it. Yep. I was meant to be halfway through the night was my turn. And right before I was meant to go up, someone stood on my foot in high heels. Ooh. And uh, in her stiletto, she she cut my toe. <gasps> so me being like 13, I'm bawling my eyes out. My parents tell me later they thought that the reason my set was pushed back was just because I was so nervous but it was really because I was getting first aid. Yeah. So when I finally get up there, they don't turn my microphone on and they play the original version of the song. And when they realise what they've done, they close the curtain. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, So then, but then the curtain reopens and the correct version plays and the mic is on, so I just have to go. Okay, okay. So they're like, they fix it all, but you're just standing there going, I'm, like, what's going I'm on, guys? I'm standing there and the curtain closes <laughs> and it's pitch black and then all of a sudden the curtain reopens <laughs> and I'm standing there like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, this was meant to happen. The show must go on. The show okay. must go on. So after that point I was like, okay, well, something's telling me to just not... <laughs> 
Like, this is not working for me. This is, that's not a pleasant experience, especially no. in those uh, formative years. So it wasn't until I was probably towards the end of high school that I started to realize, like, I wanted to play guitar mm-hmm. and I wanted to learn about music. And I invited, like, convinced friends to go with me to, like, music, like, conventions and things like that, you know, the mm-hmm. AIM and... um expos for people that play music and I tried to play guitar there you know they had pop-up lessons and the guitar teachers were all what are you doing that's not what you do (laughs) how is this so hard for you (laughs) because I just didn't like I think I'd convinced myself that I just didn't know what I was doing anyway I ended up giving it up for another year or two and then deciding to to oh my goodness this is Oh, it takes me back. I decided to go to to look, to study music, to study pop performance. Again, people were trying to teach me guitar there and I could not do it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and I did a year there and gave it up again. And then I I put a I put an application in when I saw someone advertising to be in a band, to be their singer. And it ended up being like a punk band. And I thought, like, yeah, I've got to get my foot in the door. I've just got to get in there, you know? Yep. And so I got my foot in the door and I realised the thing that was missing was that they'd already written all their songs. They just wanted me to sing them. Right. And I had no creative control and it just sort of felt like not quite the right way for me. Being so, you know, interested in lyrics my whole life, so I I, got, I quit that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of stories of me trying things and failing and trying something new. So <laughs> resilience, trying though, right? Resilience, I mean, you know. Yeah, got to keep, keep going back. Yeah. yeah. So again, sort of gave it up. Just I was a personal trainer for a while. I was a baker. I was, you know, I've done all these different things and worn all these different hats. Yeah. But I came back to it. I, I used to, when I was tr- going to, to uni, I used to go past this singing school every single day on the train. And yep. I finally put a call in and actually was like, can I come and sing here? And they were like, sure. <laughs> well, you're, you know, you, you can audition and, and that's it. Like you, you'll yep. be in. So I actually, I met a mentor and she said, you got it right. And I still didn't. <sighs> and, <laughs> and then eventually uh, I left that place too and I stayed friends with my mentor, luckily, but I sort of had this, okay, I've got to, I've got to do it on my own now. Mm-hmm. I've gone through all these stages and I've really got to just put, you know, put my heart into it because it's the only thing that I've ever come back to this much. Yeah. So I started trying to learn guitar little by little and I started to do cover gigs with, with a guitarist. Yep. And then I started to get sick of paying someone else to play guitar for me <laughs> and thinking, I'm a strong, independent woman. I can do this myself. So I taught myself to play guitar. You eventually did it. Well done. <laughs> I eventually, it took a long time. Yeah. I eventually yeah, yeah. got there and taught myself. So now I, I mean, not at the moment, lockdown happening, yeah. but I, I play like three hour cover gigs. I, I, write my own songs on the guitar so yeah and then you know lockdown happening I taught myself piano as well oh well done thank you so now yeah I I actually am 
doing it, which is crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> After all that. <laughs> That's insane. So what are you writing about now that you've started writing, you're doing it yourself? What's your, like when you want to have creative control and you're writing a song, what do you think about? What's your goal in your music? What are you trying to communicate? One of the main things I think is just self-expression that I want to be able to connect with others with the feelings that I have because I'm sure that others have felt them. And one of the songs that I've written most recently that's going to be my next single that I release, it's really just about the need to pivot at the moment, that the world Mm -hmm. is changing so much. Um, And I think having that that connection to others who also have that problem Mm -hmm. gives us all a bit more sense of belonging, which I think we need right now. Yeah, there's a lot of segregation and division, especially I know in Victoria there's been a lot of loud people Mm -hmm. um, with opinions around the whole world actually about this pandemic and things like that. Um, And it's, it's hard to know what to do. I mean, the reality is we never really know what to do. We never did. I think we just, we lived in a world where we pretended that we did know what to do next. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden some, something's come along and shaken us up and we all have to think outside the box all of a sudden. Yes, exactly. There's a lot of um, need to, to pivot, to go online, mm. to change. You know, some people are changing whole careers. It's, I think it's important that we listen to ourselves at the moment. You know, one of the big things that, came up when I was writing for for these I've got uh three songs that I've just come out of the studio for Mm. and um one of the main things that I sort of realized was how much I need to trust myself and trust that what I'm doing is um is valuable and is is gonna be helpful not just to me but to other people as an art form because some of what I've brought in this time was so different to what I've written in the past and a friend of mine actually said, you know, because I was, I was really worried about it. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in the studio and I started to feel really, like, nauseous, thinking, like, what have I done? I can't believe I've written this and no one's going to like it. And I had this moment where I just doubted all of what I was doing because it was so different to my past work. And I sent it I, – well, I didn't send the song to her, but I sent, you know, that sort of critique of it to a friend of mine and she said, well – you know, to use a very extreme example, you know, people love Slipknot for their heavy stuff, but they also love songs like Snuff because, you know, the guy who, who sings them, it means something to him. Yeah. So even though it's thematically different, it still matters to people and they still consume it and they still connect to it because of yeah. the emotion behind it. So mm. I had to learn to, to trust myself and, and to yeah. just, you know, and I ended up with, you know, the, the track that I'm going to be putting out. I can't believe that I wrote it. It's my favourite. <laughs> it's my favourite one. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. I think that I'm noticing more and more that what I love about music is that it's their connection to the artist. Mm-hmm. And when, when the song is connected to the artist, I think it really shows. And for me, that's what I love. It's like this person is being so vulnerable and yet sharing such a beautiful part of something they love and that is beautiful in itself, that action. And I think that's what we should all be seeking is that that song that we connect to ourselves. Yeah, exactly. You know, I 
the, the work I've done in the past, I remember being just excited to have finished something mm. and to, and to put it out. And now I look back on it and I, you know, I know that with experience and time, we're always improving on what we do, but yeah. I feel a lot more connected to my more, more recent work. And even, even though it's different, even though, you know, thematically it may not match up with what I've done before. Um, yeah. I just think, you know, it's, it's just more real and authentic. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what are your future goals with songwriting? Have you done much, I guess, crafting and education around songwriting and, and collaborating with other people? I think I've only done two co-writes in as many years. It's always been quite a personal thing for me that I really like to just sit down and do it on my own. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've attempted to, <laughs> um, mm. and I, I've, I've created songs with others in that way, but I think I learned about songwriting from listening and from really studying in, you know, really young years, yep. what makes a song and what makes it great. And, um, yeah, I, I've thought about, you know, studying it and wanting to, really hone in on the technical side of it. But I think that what makes a song great sometimes can be the feeling it gives you, not necessarily yeah. the structure that it's in. So mm. I've written quite a bit and it tends to be the songs that that I put out, the songs that I really love, they're very, they're, they're very few. The more you write, the better you get. But some of them, they just have something different to them and that's just about the feeling. Yeah, and you know, don't you? You just know. <laughs> I don't know how you know. Like for me, I know the songs that stick because I remember the words really easily. <laughs> yes, that's the thing. I think if you if you are trying to force the force the the rhyme or force the the mm. syllables or anything like that, you know, it becomes harder to connect to because it's just not coming out the way that you would speak. It's not yeah, it's the clunky. way that you would think. Mm. Yeah, you don't want clunky. <laughs> clunky is exactly. too hard. <laughs> All right. Tell me what's the best and worst advice you've ever received? You know, any advice is is more valuable if I actually listen to it. I'm really <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at taking advice. It's a very self-aware statement. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> I'm an artist and a writer. I can't help it. I have to <laughs> I have to be self-aware. Yeah. Gee. I don't know. At almost every gig I do, almost every time I busk or anything like that, there's always some person that comes up and says, keep going. Yeah. Well, that's nice. <laughs> Which is nice. And I remember when I was first starting out, I was uh, quite, what's the word? Oh, not condescending. No, I was just a little bit oh cynical about that statement that, of course, I'm going to keep going. Why would you tell me mm. that? Do you expect me to stop? But I've grown to sort of think, well, every time someone says that, you know, that's their way of saying that what I'm doing matters that's and nice. is meaningful. Yeah. They're trying to, be, trying to be encouraging. Yeah, they're, they're trying yeah. to be encouraging and, and I probably was being snarky and unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, just to, to keep going really. Mm-hmm. Worst advice, I, ooh, there's been a few times that I've brought in a song to work on with the producer and they've just wanted to take it in a completely different direction. Yeah. And I've, it's not that they've given bad advice, it's that I've let them. 
Yeah. And those don't end up being released because they're just not. It's not you anymore. It's not me anymore. But yeah, yeah whatever they say that. in that situation, it's like it's not bad career advice. It's just taking away a little too much of that creative control. Yeah, and we have to learn as artists when we need to fight for something and when to let someone else. It's okay to give advice, but we have to know when to take it and when to choose to stick to our guts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, with songs being so, like, intrinsically linked to the way that we feel, yeah. I think if someone gives you constructive feedback, that can be really helpful. But if yeah. if they're just giving advice for the sake of advice, that can feel a bit icky. <laughs> Yeah, you don't know where it's really coming from and um, yeah. sometimes it's not actually personal, it's just a reflection on that particular person. Exactly. If you could co-write with anyone in the world, living or dead, who would it be and why? Mm. You know, I I actually I heard this question. I was listening <laughs> to one of the other um, episodes of this podcast and I was trying to think of someone. The only person I could come up with which... I think is interesting was actually uh, Lady Gaga. Okay. I would love to write a song with her. Yeah. Why would you like to write a song with her? I just think that she has a really interesting mindset, a really, mm. you know, creative sort of genius brain that some of the, mm. some of the works that she had out, you know, in her early years, some of the wordplay and some of the, the references she made were just really out there. And, yeah. and really no one else was doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think she's a leader in, in what she does. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And, I mean, that girl can sing. So whatever whatever we would come up with, she could take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she turns anything into gold, doesn't she? She does. So what's what's happening for you now? I know you're in lockdown. I don't know what is happening with the lockdown situation in Victoria, but do you have any plans to release anything soon or shows? What, do you know what? Do you know what your future has? <laughs> I have three songs sitting, waiting to be released, working on my strategy at the moment. With the lockdowns, it can be a bit tricky to know the right timing and getting mastering done. Yeah. I actually had one of the tracks mastered overseas, lucky with te- technology. I sent it to Abbey Road Studios. Wow. Yeah. So that took a little bit of time. So. Look, I'm hoping to release really soon, but I know yeah. that I want to give these songs the best chance um, yeah. at reaching more people and giving them that feeling that they give me. So I don't want to rush it. I don't want to rush it. Yeah. Now take your time. I think I believe in divine timing and I think whenever something is released, that's when it's meant to be released and then, you know, we move on to the next thing. But you never know what a song is going to do in the world and hopefully – it reaches people and you'll probably never know about it. You have to have faith in that. Yeah, that's what's just so amazing to me, you know, not just mm. with technology but with music, you know, it's it's like a language that we all speak a little and some are yeah. more fluent than others but it can yeah. reach people so far away. It's yeah. just amazing. That's beautiful. Mm. Cool. Well, I'm going to put all of your links to your music in your social so everyone can follow you and get in contact and get to know you a bit better and um, keep an eye out for these new songs, especially the one that went to Abbey Road. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> and, yeah, is there anything else you would like to say while you're on the podcast? Oh, just, you know, thank you for having me. I, I don't want to be that person, but you should also keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, thanks. This, I'll, this I'll stop awesome. when I'm dead. So this, <laughs> Amazing. Love it. This is my retirement job. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. No, this is brilliant. So thank you very much. 
Thank you for doing no, I this. I appreciate that. No, thank you. I, I love doing it too. It's it's my life now and I think you know when you're doing something you love when you're never going to stop, like you don't get tired or sick of it, you're just having fun. I realised recently that I don't usually stick to things for over a year if it's not something I really love. So we've hit the one-year mark. Amazing. It's all upwards from here. But thank you so much. Nice. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Anytime. I can't wait to hear your new stuff. Thank you. I'm so okay. excited. <laughs> Thanks for joining our songwriter Trist today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guest, please go to the website songwritertrists.com. Proud, no one can hear me, wish I could